Hello, humans, and welcome to another episode of the Being Human podcast. It's me, Jenna. I am pretty stoked for today's episode, not just because the guest and the theme, but because I actually feel like we got in a reasonable amount of time on here, guys. It's a short, sweet, wonderful hour, so hopefully you can get through it all. Today's guest is another old dear friend of mine, Shauna, and today's theme is bodily autonomy, baby. Sean and I have a really wonderful and cathartic conversation about the overturn of Roe v. Wade and just how we're processing that and um, just how bodily autonomy in many different ways in our life has been affected by many different factors and systems. So hopefully it provides some catharsis to you. Hopefully, again, it's filled with laughter and a little bit entertaining. And um, I hope you enjoy Okay. Hello, humans. Welcome back to the Being Human podcast. Today, I have with me one of my oldest and dearest friends, the lovely Shauna. Say hello, Shauna. Hello, humans. So first off, before the super broad and annoying question I ask everyone, can you just tell us who you are with whatever parts of your identity that you would like to? Ooh, I have so many. Um, well, part of my identity is being a mama. Um, I'm also a teacher and a trainer. I am a hyper empath, which I think is an important one to include. I think those are probably my top ones. All right. And so then we get to the super broad annoying question. I start the podcast with everyone, but Shauna, tell us how you describe being human or the human experience. So whenever I think about the human experience for myself, it's really about the connection to other human beings. I feel the most grateful and joyful um, when I think about all the amazing people that I have met in my life and what they've added to my life or the things we've done together. So... I think, yeah, what being being human is is really in those those relationships and and the bonding and those people that just touch our lives, whether it be in a very small way or in a very big way. I love that, and I agree. And when I was thinking about you coming on, I was thinking about us and our relationship, and something that I wanted to talk about about that is like you are one of those people who, when I met you, it was really nice because it's like, oh, we don't have to small talk. We're going to get right into like, okay, we're going to go deep right away. And like I, to that, maybe your empath part or, you know, me as well. Like I, I just like connect with those people strongly and immediately. And, um, and I think that's what creates our bond over time. Like, you know, we haven't seen each other in a while, but you're one of those people too, where it's like, that, that doesn't feel like it matters. Cause like you, like it's deep enough, right? You know, it's like a secure attachment. Yeah. For me, if you're, in you're in and and it's like like I said it's those little things you know I can think of a ton of people that you know I don't have a terribly close relationship with but like 
um, the treasurer on my board when my mom was sick with COVID, his wife, like they brought me pizza while I was quarantined at my mom's house. And it's like, we weren't really that good of friends, but like they thought of me Mm -hmm. and like reached out to me. And like now they will just always constantly live in my heart forever. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, we just have this bond. And then if something happens to them, obviously I would return the favor because it just meant so much to me at that time. So it's all about those little touch points that I think make relationships so important. Yeah. I love that. But unfortunately today, we're not here to talk about love and joy and pleasure. Ah. We're here to talk about fucking bodily autonomy and those assholes who are trying to rip it from our cold dead hands, i.e. we're here to rage about Roe. Um, so uh, this is a topic that I assume is important to everyone <laughs> in one way or another. And we are clearly on the side of pro-choice women's bodily autonomy is theirs and uh we just want to process our feelings around it which hopefully is helpful to other people who are going through processing this new post roe v wade reality we're living in so before we jump into like our own personal maybe connections or experiences to abortion i would love to hear where were you what was happening when you found out about the revoke of roe Oh, it was the worst because I was on vacation. Ah, exactly. (laughs) I had just spent a week in Colorado with one of my friends. And the night before we had gone to this beautiful concert at Red Rocks. And it was like just this Zen moment. And then it was our last day of vacation. So we weren't doing much. So like I slept in and then I woke up and my girlfriend was like, Roe v. Wade was overturned, and I was like, they just ruined a perfect day! (laughs) So, to be honest with you, then, I was like, not that this is related, but I do feel like this decision has put, like, things like transgender rights on the Mm -hmm. table, it's put gay marriage on the table, so, like, I threw on my most obnoxious, like, rainbow socks and my pride shirt, and I was like, I am going to go through the Bible belt (laughs) and spread my pride because fuck you all, you're not going to take away these things that are just fundamental human rights, so... Um, but yeah, it was just a terrible day. I just, and you're in the car for a long time and I just, oh, it was gross. Yeah. How about you? Um, yeah. So I, the, like they had leaked that decision, you know, a month earlier. And so I had heard about that leak and I think my way of coping was sort of just like, and then never thinking about it. Right. So I honestly like had forgotten Roe was on the table. Um, and it was just like first client of the day. Poor gal. She uh, volunteers at abortion clinics to like escort women. So she had just been there and heard with the abortion clinic workers about it and oh, came immediately wow. then. I mean, lucky her, she came immediately to session. And that was the first thing. But it hit me like a ton of bricks because I like was not expecting it. But I was being like therapist Jenna. So I had to be like, well, you can't have emotions about that right now. So it's this weird moment of like, again, doing the unhealthy thing and stuffing that deep down aside so I can help focus on this other person's emotional experience around that decision. And then I was just sort of like, after she walked out of my office, like still very much disassociating from it and was like, do I have space to think about this right now? I don't have space to think about this right now. Um, I did hit up a few group chats to be like, ah, um, and commiserate in that way. But honestly, yeah, I've sort of 
just spent the rest of the day trying not to deal with it. Um, and well, then it slowly creeped in over time. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't yeah. think I did it for even longer. Like, I immediately deleted Facebook. So I'm like, I cannot even deal with social media. Oh, right I'm now. never on. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just literally just didn't have the mental capacity because when mm-hmm. they talked about it being leaked, I was like, that's fucking never going to happen. Like, no, like that is nonsense. There's no. And then when it happened, I was like, what? Like, seriously? And so I just, I didn't know how to deal with it. And it was, I don't usually shove things down deep. Yeah. But I mean, this is the first like real legit conversation that I've had with another human being about it. Other than some days just being like, I just don't even want to get out of bed because the world is over and Roe v. Wade and my girls don't have, you know, the same options that I did. And I'm so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was in, I am, this will be the first real conversation as well that I'm having with anyone other than a few like bitchy comments here and there, you know, um, because yeah, it was just too hard. It was too difficult to like kind of comprehend this moment and like how backwards it feels. And, and then I, I guess I will say I had a lot more, I guess the way it was manifesting for me was like immediate problem solving. Cause like the only thing I would think about in association with it was like, all right, cool. Like, so I can get my tubes tied. Babe's already got his uh, um, snip snip done. Um, what you know, like it was more about like, all right, what do I gotta do now to like live in this reality? Um, and I think it just like I think the nail was already in the coffin for me, but it like I guess started throwing the dirt on the coffin of like just politics the government like I just have no faith or belief in any of the systems um anymore which I don't think is a bad thing but like you have to live in those systems still you know and the consequences of the decisions that they make so yeah so true so all right let's dig into and start off our convo with just like what experiences have we had personally with abortion specifically yeah um, the one story that sticks out to me so much, and it drives me crazy that I can't remember her name, but I think that's almost pertinent to the story, is that when I was in college, uh, there was a girl in one of my classes, and she was from a small town in Nebraska, very religious family, in a super abusive relationship. And we weren't really good friends. Like we were just, I think it's kind of like you talked about when people first meet me and they realize that they can just go really deep. And I think this is what happened with her too. And, you know, we were just kind of casual friends in class. And the next thing I know, she's asking me to drive her to and from her abortion because she has no one. And I remember talking to her on the phone and she was crying and she was like, you know, I think you've killed a baby and my parents would disown me. And even if my parents knew I was pregnant, they would disown me. And just hearing her story was like so heartbreaking that, I mean, of course I would do this for anyone who ever asked me, but I was like, of course, you know, I will take you to your abortion. And I just have, I have this very clear memory of her just sitting in the car afterwards and just, you know, the empath in me just sucking in like all the sadness and shame and like regret that she had. And I hate that that's the misnomer about abortions is that people are just like, I'm just going to get an abortion Mm -hmm. for birth control. Like they don't think about like 
when you do make that decision, it really has some mental health implications. Like it's not an easy decision to make for any woman. And then you add that piece of, you know, that it's not moral or correct. And um, anyway, like I said, I can't even, I, I can't tell you her name now. I mean, I can tell you exactly what she looked like. I can tell you exactly how that felt. And just, I, you know, she's in my heart all the time because it was one of those things where I did that for her. And then I, I you know, I didn't, we finished our class and we never saw each other again, but just witnessing that with her and just knowing that she was so alone made me realize that like abortion has to be something that, you know, you can offer people, but people make it sound like it's so easy for the people getting abortions. But no matter what circumstance, I think that there is a piece of like heartbreak and hurt when you do have to or get an abortion. Yeah, no, it's never an easy decision. It's never a frivolous decision. Like they want it to appear Mm -hmm. that like, yeah, like you said, it's just frivolously using it as birth control as opposed to it being, yeah, like a really deep thought out intentional decision that they had to mull through a bunch of factors in their own personal life and experience to come to. And so if they came to that, like we should honor that process but no one honors that process they just want to judge the decision well and for her she was also protecting the baby you know she was in an abusive relationship Mm -hmm. like that baby could have been killed in a much more um, you know i mean not that it's baby killing like don't take that the way it sounds but you know she did not have a safe environment to raise that child in um if it had become a child So it's like you're actually do have, you know, they try to make the argument of like, you know, the baby can't fight for his life or whatever. But, you know, I I think about that all the time, like, you know, being a former um, teacher in an urban school and seeing like how terrible some kids' lives are, you know? Yeah. And not to say that we'd be better off, like that's probably gross to say, but, you know, bringing a baby into a world of like torture and you know, abuse, in my opinion, is not a great idea. Yeah, no, totally. And to like the argument where um, they're like, oh, like they like to pull out the women who like regret their abortion or like see, they like to flip that side of like, see, it causes this damage. But it's interesting, my adoption perspective, people love to be like, oh, what about adoption? You know, everyone I have had experience with where they have come to me because they know I'm an adoptive person and they have a pregnancy that they don't know what to do with. And they're like, tell me about this option. Um, And I'm just honest about my experience. Like I was very lucky. My parents were great. Uh, I always thought, thank you birth mom uh, for not raising me because you were 15 and that would have been terrible. Um, and I feel bad because I think my story and like how at peace I was with my experience led multiple people that I know to pursue adoption. And I mean, I there was plenty of other factors, but um, but also that was really hard for them and they regretted those adoptions. Mm-hmm. You know, one that wants to talk about like my mother um, wanted me, my mother really wanted me, she, she didn't want to put me up for adoption. Um, thankfully, you know, like cooler heads prevailed in that situation. Um, But I think, you know, if you would ask her um, today that like she would still say like she really wishes she could have had the option to keep me and raise me. Um, And it was really, really hard for her 
because of how um, mentally she took the adoption and like the aftermath of that and then not having support because no one's supporting her, right? Like uh, we honor them. We're like, oh, you're so amazing to adoption. And then as soon as it's over, bye, like you're fine because we want you to be fine. We want you to be okay. We want that to have been you know, you thrive now. Yeah. But I know multiple women who like we have talked and then it's happened and and I I couldn't speak at the time to how rough it would be for them after as the mom because I was the I was the baby in the situation. So I yeah. could you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, and so I felt very bad because I think um that yeah it was shocking and hard for them to like, oh that was a lot more difficult than maybe they hadn't anticipated. And no, like no one ever wants to talk about that part, no, <laughs> right? No, not like, at all. Um, and so, but that's part of like objectifying our body, right? Yes, like, they don't want to talk about how. I mean, adoption sometimes I think might even, you know, because you live more traumatic with yes. the baby inside of your body, and then it's just like it's gone. Like, yeah, has some psychological. Yeah. Effects, no matter whether you wanted to keep it or you didn't. Yeah. You know, you're, you live through it. It's part of your body. I mean, yeah. even at a normal pregnancy where you get to keep the baby, there's some like trauma, not trauma, but just like, okay, now it's, it's out. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. No, I totally. I don't know if I'm articulating myself very well. Yes, no, that's what I, my point, it's like, I think abortion is far less traumatizing, like a far safer option, right? Like we want to be really candid and honest, like it's safer medically. It's, I think, safer mentally. Like I think that if, again, and also if it was safe and accessible and without the shame that our society puts around it, absolutely it would be. Adoption is traumatic adoption is hard because one you actually get to do the pregnancy like after having my first child I remember like being about like maybe in the first trimester or up somewhere like 20 weeks or below and I really made a point to be like all right you have a kid inside you let's like think about your pro-choice abortion stance like let's do the thing they always like tell you it's going to change you and let's think about it we're growing it we're feeling it Mm -hmm. and I will tell you I was like yeah no like it almost solidified even further my belief in like the choice and abortion because especially by the end of that pregnancy and again I wanted that pregnancy it was wonderful um I birthed that baby with no drugs and yes totally like sort of to prove a point but like and so it was a beautiful experience but it was like how difficult it was I was like oh you know yeah no one should be doing this unless it's their absolute heart's desire. Because it was mine and it was so, so difficult. So hard. And I had an easy pregnancy, right? I, I, and I, it was hard doing getting like the easiest version of that, right? I didn't have a lot of morning sickness and I have a lot of any issues. And it's still incredibly hard on your body and your mind and all of that. And I just remember being like, yeah, no, this really just affirms me in the other direction. Like, please save, you know, accessible abortion for everyone. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> So something that I don't have the experience of because I have boys, although I will be talking to my boys about a bodily autonomy, but I'm sure it's a very different conversation than what you might be having with your daughters. And I thought maybe you could tell us a little bit how you're navigating that with them in these times. Oh, it is so gross. It's the worst conversation. Um, I mean, generally my approach as a parent, like my kids know probably way more than most kids. Like 
super open, super honest. I mean, my husband didn't even want to tell the kids about, you know, do Santa Claus because he's like, I don't want to lie to my kids. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, well, that's, you know, that was my philosophy as well. And so, you know, we, we talk a lot about social issues and, you know, they're very, you know, they understand, you know, different gender identities and they understand different sexualities and they, um, they know that I was abused as a child and who abused me. They know that there's another abuser in our family that they're not supposed to be, you know, we have all yeah. these conversations and they know a lot about sex. Like I've explained sex to them. We watch kind of not like sexy shows, but adult shows yeah. about sex. And they understand what sex is. But then when it got to this Roe v. Wade conversation, I'm like, well, how do I explain abortion? Because I'm going to take a little uh, detour here. Yeah. Because I want to ask you this question too. Okay. So here is how I learned what abortion was when I was a child. I had a very devout religious friend who had taken me to like her whatever nightly, you know, kids group, which is a whole nother story. And she had told me that what they do for abortions is that they vacuum up the baby, cut it into a bunch of pieces, and then vacuum it, uh, like, anyway, something like that, right? So the visual in my head was always of abortion, was like, you know, pulling this baby out of the body, chopping it up into pieces, and, like, vacuuming it off the floor. So that was my – so how did you learn about Oh, my God. Like, I know. Thinking about – it's so insane. People are so insane. But, okay. (laughs) Yes. um, Excellent question. Uh, so I, as you know, went to also a very devout Catholic school. Um, so my whole upbringing, I remember abortion being presented as like people murdering babies. So like my very ever, it's just like, what is abortion? It's like a person who murders a baby. Okay. But then enter junior high. That's also when I'm like, ah, I'm gay and you're gay. And we're having this beautiful secret gay relationship. So like the way to hang out on the weekends because everything involved the church in my school, they George Tiller, famous abortion doctor who was murdered, we lived in the town outside of his town. So we would get on a bus on a Saturday, and we would go to George Tiller's abortion clinic, and we would all stand outside like assholes next to the assholes with the gross signs, and we would pray the rosary, and then we would go to the get food and go home. And I wanted to hang out with my lesbian girlfriend. So, and you know, you can like do a lot of sneaky things in back of buses. So for me, I had a lot of incentive to attend these terrible looking back now. Like, um, but they would teach us that exact same story. I was taught then, like junior high and on, we had like presentations about abortion was not just um, there was versions where, yes, they go in and they suck it out body part by body part. They told us late term abortion is literally the mother birthing the kid and the doctor holding the head and then stabbing it in the neck <gasps> and killing it because it's not all the way out of the birth canal yet. So it doesn't count as murder, even though like, and then they take it out and that was an abort. They taught. Yeah, we had. No, this was the worst. And I would love to know the true story around this human. We would have every year on the like right to life day, um, a mass where they would intentionally leave seats that could not be 
right? Vacant because those were poor aborted people who are not here. And then after that, we had a presentation by a woman and she wheels out her quadriplegic daughter who very much cannot speak um, a lot of clear physical issues on top of the pair. Um, and her supposed story was that this child was an abortion survivor. The, her mother, this was the story that we got, I swear to God. Um, they were uh, pro-life advocates. And so they were trying to target this abortion clinic. And they just knew that that abortion clinic was throwing out fetuses in the trash. So they would go through the trash and they found her disposed of fetal body in the trash and she was still alive. And so they took her to a hospital and saved her. And that's who this child in a wheelchair is. And at the time, even then, I was like, this feels like it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, like, but also I like was 13 and this is my whole life. And so I was also very much like, oh my God, that, and like, looking back now, I would love to know the real story. What happened to this yes. child? But yes. like, you know, there's no way you found this in a dumpster, whatever, and then took it to a hospital and it survived. All, I don't know. I don't know. But that is, these are, this is how I. Learned yeah, and abortion. I, I, I want to ride this tangent just for a little yeah, bit. Because yeah, yeah. I, if we can't giggle a little bit about abortion, <laughs> yeah. what can you giggle about? Exactly, you know? right? Um, because so my husband's family is very devoutly Catholic. I grew up with no religion, so I didn't really know uh, anything. Lucky ducky. <laughs> but I know. Uh, so it was funny, like. I guess churches have these cry rooms, right? Yeah, yeah, for when the kids are too loud. Which I thought at first, I was like, who's fucking crying at church? Like, <laughs> was like, I didn't think it was like for kids. Lots of people. Like, that's how stupid I was. I was like, this is where people were like, I don't, and they're like, oh, are you sad at church? Are yeah. you so moved? Like, why do you have a room for people to cry in? And then I was like, oh, it's for children. Yeah. That, oh, got it. Got it. And so when we had my nephew's funeral which is kind of sad we were in the cry room because my kids were were kind of small and i mean it was just you know it was a six-year-old's yeah. funeral yeah and it was a big and i just didn't want them to be right in there but they have a sign in their cry room to your point that it's like um earth's trash is heaven's treasure and it's actually a painting of people carrying out fetuses to a dumpster and then the ghost fetuses. What? And that is in their crowd room. No. Like, I almost took a picture of it. But then I'm like, I, you know, I'm already going to hell or if there is one. But I was like, Oh, there's what? not. Don't worry. I know. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is in the cry room for the that, children? Right. I cannot. And it's painting and art for <laughs> You know, because they have this, you know, the door sign on the door that says, you know, smile, your mom. Like, oh, whatever, yes. Yeah. Chose, chose life, life or whatever. Yes. And I was just like, oh my God, like, is this really? I was so glad that I did not have that religious experience. But like, oh. this is just insanity. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a lot. It was so much insanity. Yeah. So, yeah. and so many just things that now you're looking back, like that story, I just, I'm like, what even is the reality that what that was? Who knows? Like so much oh. propaganda, oh, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I remember 
remember my mother-in-law, like, when I was pregnant with my first one, she brought home an abortion pamphlet from the church to show my nephew how big the baby was inside of me. And I was oh, like, God. that is fake news. Yeah. <laughs> that baby is not that big at this point in its development. I was like, can I Google that for you instead? Like, yeah. I'm like, what is this world that I'm living in? <sighs> this is how big Shauna's baby is. I'm like, oh God. Ma'am, no. I'm like, abortion pamphlet. Like, <laughs> no. Fake news. <laughs> but okay, so to yeah. on that tangent, okay, so that's how I learned what like their version of abortion was. And so then I'm trying to think honestly, like when I um got like accurate information on that for sure college it wouldn't have been because I know like I mean I was way radicalized before I left high school but like as soon as I got out of my town um I was like oh freedom so it meant freedom of thought um and so I know at some point in there because I was very sexually active because I like sex and um but wasn't ever given proper sex education so although I was like a prolific birth control and condom user um I still had some moments a couple of times where I might have missed a period and so I had to really contemplate oh no oh Jenna do you possibly have a one unwanted pregnancy that you need to deal with um and I would have I was like well thank god I have that option because that is exactly what I do I knew where Planned Parenthood was I knew how much it would cost me and I was like cool I can work this out if I need to period came never actually had to do that but I mean I really thought about it I was like well, thank god because yeah. that's how I will deal with this situation because I mean to be honest some of the times I wouldn't have known who to go to about being a parent with me <laughs> um because you know yeah. none of those relationships were meaningful they were all fun yeah well, <laughs> and they should stay that way <laughs> yeah exactly and I you know I think I took myself to Planned Parenthood before I, when I knew I was going to become sexually active. Me like, too. Me too. And so I think that that's probably where I learned everything. That's Actually, I just want to clarify heterosexually active because. Yes. Yes. <laughs> other things were happening way before that. Yes. yes. Queer wise. <laughs> I always forget to differentiate between the two. Yes. Uh, all right. Okay. So that was like the most beautiful tangent and I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so talking to my kids about it was very hard because having the, like, how do you tell your kids like what terminating a pregnancy is and why it's important to have those rights? Um, so I really struggled. Like I had a few conversations with them and they didn't really pick it up and my mom was babysitting that day, so she had kind of told them a little bit about it, but not the, like, logistics. And I'm like, so how do I explain terminating a pregnancy to children, you know? Because I think, in my head, it's going to sound like a, a bad thing to them, mm -hmm. no matter what. So how do I make it sound like a good thing? And so then the story came across about that, um, what was it, the 10-year-old mm -hmm. girl in, like, Ohio? Yeah. And I was like okay, this is a good way to frame it, you know, because my kids know about like sexual abuse and all of that. Yeah. And so I use that story to say that because Roe v. Wade has been overturned, 
you know, they want to make this, you know, girl that is in between your two ages. Yeah. Carry a bit, you know, so that was something that could make it very real and relatable to them. Yeah. And while I hated having that, that, that story even exist to tell them, that was kind of the, the indicative conversation. And then, you know, that opened it up to, you know, you should be in control of your body and, you know, if you don't have, you know, any reason that you want to get an abortion, it is okay. It should be a human right. It's, you know, it's medical care, right? Yeah. Yeah. Medical care. Yeah. The government should not you know, and then they asked me about Roe v. Wade, like, why, why is the Roe v. Wade? So then I had to, you know, explain this in court to them and stuff. But it was definitely, I sat for a lot of days before I could really talk to them about it, too. Yeah. Because, you know, they're 11 and 8, and it's just, like I said, how do you make abortion sound good? Yeah. But it is. Yeah, yeah. And it's essential, and it's okay. Yeah, totally. And, yeah, just that it's medical care. I think that's what's so frustrating to me now. It's like I had a close – someone I knew from my past who had to have an abortion. And it was a medical situation. It was like the pregnancy was – um complicated for a lot of reasons but like in the end it was complicated because if it continued it really could have jeopardized her um and I know her and I know that would have been so difficult and so hard and then another friend of ours um all she could be like do you really think she had an abortion and I was like well yeah because she had to like it was like even in this situation where it was clearly, and again, you should have an abortion for whatever reason, but in this is where it was like literally a medical like choice. I just couldn't believe that this other girl who we had known each other our whole lives, right? We're childhood friends. And it's like, you're really stuck in that right now. Like, you know, this person, you know, their heart. It's like, that's what you're judging. You're like, no compassion for the girl who had to make this terrible decision, no compassion for her experience up until that point with the other complications that had been occurred with that pregnancy. It was just straight to judgment. Can you, what do you think? And was so upset about it. And I was just like, okay, like this is wrong. Like, why are we not thinking about anything other than like your weird opinion of the word abortion, really, you know, like, you're not taking context of the situation into, like, your judgment, you're not taking it in it, and uh, I think that's what's so unfortunate about the, I mean, the pro-life movement has been good in their strategy, right, like, even for me now, I feel like I'm learning so much more about how often abortions occur and for how many different reasons they occur, and to that point that it's such essential medical care, like, across the board and across the time in a pregnancy that like that information hasn't been out to the masses till like now. Yes. You know? Yeah. I found myself having a conversation with one of my girlfriends who's like, you know, she's pro choice, but like she was trying to be like, well, maybe that, you know, the people. And then I was like, no, I was like, that's my hard like, I could maybe be, no, no, I couldn't. Like, if you don't believe in human fundamental rights, like, that's when I have a problem with you. 
you know, and yeah. they had this long, uncomfortable conversation and she knows about like my history of abuse and stuff like that. And I was like, man, you know, if something would have come of any of those things. I would have immediately had an abortion. Like, why would you make someone suffer with like the byproduct of your abuse that you have to stare at for the rest of your life? Like that's fucking traumatic. Yeah. It's terrible. Well, and even just, that's what I mean. It's like, the way they infantilize women or humans who birth like is so frustrating right because so many of the arguments to take autonomy away center around some version of the the person whose body that is isn't capable of making their own choices yeah and it's like oh and all the religious motherfuckers like who the only I got in a goddamn Facebook argument with my aunt. Oh, <laughs> over... you shouldn't have done that. Although, except I'm going to glow now because it was over her Kansas vote yes signs. And fuck you because they voted no, baby. Yay, Kansas. Way to show up for the birthing women or birthing humans in your life. But um, but because that's what like the religion thing even bothers me so much because it's like I know your theology and I know free will is a very important part of it. And so like where is this justification all of a sudden to take someone's free will away from them? Like, you know, that goes against your faith. So like you don't get to have it both ways. You don't get to be a good God fearing Christian and save quote unquote the babies by taking away the main tenet of your faith, which is that everyone has to choose God through their own free will. Yeah. By taking, you know, like, so it's just like frustrating across the board because it's like such hypocrisy. Um, and it's clearly all about power and control, right? Like there's, there's, yeah. you know, it's just about controlling other people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and then the fact that it's even, you know, a conversation that needs to be had in a governmental like, I could go on for days, you know, about the churches lobbying and, oh, you yeah. know, the politicians, you know, being in bed with the Catholic Church. And it's just, I don't know, it's scary. That's what I want to grab. Yeah. Grab my passport, get one for my baby. So we got to get the fuck out. Like, we can, because America be fucked. Yeah, yeah, like a theocracy frightens me, you know, like that's all my childhood trauma is centered around religious trauma. And so to see um, that being so pervasive in quote unquote secular society, right, is terrifying. Like I remember um, like when my kids first entered school, I was so excited, like public school because my experience was so terrible. And then and our children are in the same uh district it's so embedded with the various clergies and I remember being so shocked at all the ways in which I was showing up like religion or like some sort of their hand in the public school pot was happening and I was like wait a minute wait a minute like this is supposed to be the place where I like there's no place for like the non-religious like I feel like or you know you know like it's just like the spaces that are supposed to be quote unquote I felt like intended for us because you have your religious schools. Yay. Good for you. They are so, um, they have so much like power in our systems as well. And it's like so frustrating. Gosh. And I remember a friend of mine asked me one time, 
Like, how are your kids going to learn the difference between right and wrong if you don't take them to church? And I was like, that's my job. Like, I will be doing that. Like, I'm sorry that you might have been too lazy and wanted to have the church do it, but I don't need some groupthink bullshit put into my kids' heads. Like, I have these kids and it is my job to teach them right from wrong. And I've done a damn good job because they are super open-minded. Yes. Like it, it's magical looking at them and seeing how they accept all different kinds of people and how upset they get when they see any sort of like discrimination or prejudice or, you know, they just really love people and, people for who they are and that's what makes them so magical and I was like I don't want to make them part of the system I want them to break the system eventually yeah no and like and maybe I could get some advice on like because I haven't talked to my boys about it like Roe v. Wade or bodily autonomy stuff well I've talked about bodily autonomy and that yes they know their body's their own and like consent but we haven't talked about like abortion rights specifically and that's my bad because just because they're boys, it's not, it's still a conversation yeah, worth yeah. having for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and, and Marcos absolutely is at an age where he could navigate that. Now, my little four year old Leo, who's on the autism spectrum, mm, we're probably not going to be having that conversation for many other reasons, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, till later on. So I don't think I need to be having it with him. But yeah, well, how would you, what advice would you give me of maybe broaching that with my currently identifying as a boy child? Yeah, that's interesting because it does, you know, there's, is a little bit of a gender issue. Like, I feel like I've been teaching my kids about abuse for so long. And like, sometimes I wonder if I am scarring them and making them too scared just because I'm putting my trauma on them. But I definitely think, you know, obviously you know, starting with the consent conversation, I think it's a good one, but I think I just, and you are teaching your boys to respect women. So I think that they have an advantage, um, there. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I have a ton of really good advice, honestly, other than, you know, just be honest and continue to teach them to respect, you know, everybody and particularly women and help them understand that, you know, women, we don't have the same rights that men do and that that's where this Roe v. Wade comes in. And, you know, that's why we fight against it. Or even, you know, I haven't taken my kids to a protest yet, but I always love to get involved in the the protesting too, because that's always a good way to start a conversation as well. Yeah, no. And yeah, we have a lot. We're pretty open. Like you said, we are pretty open. We talk about lots of things. Yeah, I don't like to lie. We did do Santa. I won't fucking do Elf on the Shelf, though. Don't get me started. No. Mm -mm. (laughs) Um, But, um, and so we're a very sex positive family. And because for me, like my bodily autonomy, I feel most affected in the sense of that being stripped from me from the church, right. And sexuality pertaining to that. Cause it's like my whole life up until like 18, it was like this weird, like, um, 
well, this is what I, I, I don't have control. Like, I just like, it never even occurred to me. It's like, nah, they make the decisions. Mom, dad, the church, like it's their deal. I got to like lit their values, I guess. Um, and then you finally get on your own. Like, oh yeah, fuck that. Like I am a human. I get to make my own decisions. Um, but then you jump into, oh, I want to like be with a person and get married and like monogamy. And then you're like, oh wait, but shit now, weirdly, I've given past the control from my parents in the church to this person for some reason. And, and like, that was so difficult. And like, so for me, bodily autonomy has always really centered around like my body and my sexuality and being able to do what I want with it, when I want with it, with who I want with it. Um, and, and I still struggle with that, even though I've come a long way in navigating uh, relationship structures that are better suited to me and um, a partner that's amazing and fantastic and works through all of that and has a very open mind. Um, and so, like, that's a lot of what we've done with, like, the boys in the sense of, like, always starting from a place of, like, in whatever way your body is your own. So, yeah, you never have to hug someone you don't even meet, like, right? Yeah, I've tried totally. really, really hard because I'm a touchy-feely mom. Um so I try really hard, though, to be like, I'm going to ask you. And sometimes my oldest would be like, you have, like, blanket consent for hugs for, like, however long. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, because I really do want to, like, I love that. Um, not just feel like because I'm his mom, I can, like, hug and kiss him whenever I want because it's totally not cool. Um, and so I'm like, I think that's been really nice to see because he has occasionally said, like, no to me. And I've honored that no in those moments, even though they're hard for me. I'm actually really happy that they happen because it shows – he is getting that sense that he has that autonomy. And, like, for him, yeah, it's not just him. He's like, this is how humans should function, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So he kind of views it as, like, yeah, that's, like, the way it is for humans. We should all, um, you know, respect that. And um, so just, like, kind of deepening those conversations, I think, to incorporate a little bit more nuance and political stuff can happen now that he's getting older. Yeah, yeah, you know? I think so, for sure. Yeah, and especially, I mean, quite honestly, as, as he navigates – he is 10. He definitely is going to want to, like, see a boob soon, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. So I, I'm like, okay, we're going to have to definitely start having a conversation about, like, that is all fine and good, but, like, whoo, it's going to take a lot of talking to get there. Yeah. <laughs> and how yeah. do we navigate those conversations and approaching people? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I know it's fun. Not funny. Well, funny. It's both my girls because maybe I've taught them too much about sex and like how babies are like made. Both of them are like, we're not having, I like a child will not come out of my body. Both the girls have said. And my oldest is like, she's pretty sure she's going to marry a woman, which is always like legit. She's like, so I think I'll just let her have the baby. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, that's cool. <laughs> so yeah it's um interesting to see their perspective coming you know living in an open world where you know they can just be whoever they want to be yeah you know my littlest is also um playing around with gender yeah. a little bit you know she's kind of in the they them land I'm yeah she i'm so bad at that it's all right you just keep trying i'm so bad at pronouns I think it's the English teacher in me. Yeah. Well, I, you know, see, I always, like, did a thing where I started erring on the side of they because it could just got me in practice of using That's they in a true. lot of contexts. Yeah. So I'm way better at, like, being able to give someone their specifics now because it's so, like, yeah, it doesn't seem so foreign in my brain anymore to use, like, they, them. Yeah. Um, yeah, she still identifies most of the time as a girl. And, like, she's like, well, some days I feel like a girl. Some days I feel like a boy. 
she presents a little bit more boyish sometimes and she gets mistaken for being a boy a lot yeah um i mean but she is kind of i guess it's not mistaken because she yeah. feels like a boy that day maybe it's affirming so, in some moments um but yeah it's kind of a tangent no like i was gonna, one more tangent so um obviously like i love being super gay and out and loud and so i we've always done the like if you're like a boy or a girl like or whatever right not Same. trying to yeah. and so there was i was like a couple years ago at this point but they came up again with me and my oldest and i was like hey you know boy or girl and he's like mom and he just looks me down the eye. i'm not gay and you could tell like he knew i'd be disappointed like <laughs> i gotta break it to her i'm a straight <laughs> the tone the look it was like he, he knew like i gotta tell her <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, the so opposite funny. of coming out for me <laughs> yeah. i gotta come out straight to my mom okay let's do this <laughs> oh, and it's true honestly like um not that you can ever know because you're not that person but i will just say there's been a lot of indications with my oldest at the time where i'm like yeah that, that tracks you know it tracks <laughs> yeah i will say like i did have an interesting conversation with my oldest about not necessarily body autonomy, but just like relationships because she had a boy at school that like, you know, wanted to be her boyfriend or whatever. And he has a lot of problems. He's not terribly nice. He's kind of violent. Mm -hmm. And she was talking to me about it and going back and forth about how she's like, well, I think I'm going to tell him yes, because I don't want to hurt his feelings and I don't want to make him mad. And I was just floored and yeah. so upset because, you know, this is loosely tied to body autonomy, but it's like your person, like you, yes. if you do not want to go out with this guy, you don't say yes, just because you're going to hurt his feelings. You know, just like I think about sexual encounters that I've had where I absolutely did not want to have them, but I had them and just to get the guy finished off so I could get out of it, you know, and it's placed in, I don't know if it's a... Well, no, like, that's what, exactly, like, it goes to bodily autonomy, because that's what I mean, it's like when you it treat, yeah, when you treat women like they are unable to make the decisions for themselves what do you do then someone has to make decisions so it becomes like i mean it's the patriarchy right so it becomes the version of the patriarchy where it's like yeah like exactly so then who's making decisions for you men who, who are men really making decisions for themselves so they're using you to gratify them so it's like a whole societal structure around relationships sex and intimacy that has always been about you are there to service this person. Yeah. It there it's never been about what will make you feel good. You know, until like the advent of the pill and like you know the wave of feminism in the 70s, mm -hmm. 60s, 70s era when they were finally like wait a minute women, yeah, like get we don't sex we don't have to have sex for them. In fact, we shouldn't be having sex. We should be having sex that we want to have. And that was like a novel idea. That was like brand new fucking thinking, you know, and like we're still there. Like as you like you just heard this come out of your daughter's mouth 
in the year 2022 you know like it's still kind of a novel idea like i work with women all of the time same where we've had these conversations ourselves where it's like oh shit i've had a lot of sex that maybe i didn't want to and it was actually not probably totally consensual now that i'm looking back um but that's because it's so ingrained in us that it to ignore what we want yeah and i'll be honest with you like I am not there yet. Like I have not reached my sexual revolution even remotely. Um, it's almost embarrassing to admit at 42 years old because of all of the childhood trauma that I had and then the different situations, you know, like we were talking about where one day I just woke up and I was like, that was fucking sexual assault. Like, what yeah. is, like, legit sexual assault? And I thought I asked for it. Like, you know, I thought we were joking about having an orgy. And then I woke up with, like, two guys' penises out on top of me. And I was like, what the fuck? You know? Yeah. I'm like, I was drunk and passed out. Like, that was not consensual. No. I did not ask for that. I thought we were having, you know, like a ha ha ha, that's later. And then while I'm sleeping, they start doing it. And I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh. But, um, and all of those things, like, one of the things that I've been working on is like my drinking and stuff. And I literally had sex sober for the first time in the last six months like oh wow well congratulations but also you. as someone who's a former drinker and has been to a place where i was like oh i'm doing sober sex now i know it can be a little jarring and uncomfortable sometimes. yes <laughs> but it, trust me it gets so much better okay. um, <laughs> yeah so i'm like i'm working on that because i just have so many issues mm -hmm. around sex in my body and asking for what I want. Well, because you got to know what you want. And you're and it's never been the journey has never been to know what you want. It's how can I please that person? How can yes. I please this gaze? Yes. Right? It's never been about that other direction. Yeah. So I'm like, still, you know, I'm gonna be probably one of those, you know, postmenopausal ladies. It's like, I'm ready for my sexual awakening. Hell yeah, it can happen anytime you want. I know. But after all these years, I'm still, you know, and I've been with my husband for years. And it's still like, I'm even nervous to ask him and like, he's my safe space, you know, and he's not forcing me to do anything. But I still have that mentality of, well, sex is about him. It's not about me yeah no you'll change that though it's a it's a work it's a journey mm -hmm. but that's all part of the healing process you know yeah for sure yeah all right i know you gotta skedaddle and so do i so let's get to wrapping it up thoughts cool. what do you want to leave the listeners with what or interest any final thoughts about row bodily autonomy the shithole of the country uh, I know. <laughs> I think the biggest thing for me is that as I have gotten a little older, like I, I found myself doing a little less activism. Mm -hmm. um, but I do not think it's the time for us to be apathetic. I think it is time to fight. And when we think about some of the positive changes that came through Black Lives Matter and all of that, like, I think that we can organize again and make some fucking noise about how fucked up this is 
and we shouldn't just sit around and be complacent about it. And I also encourage, you know, those that have children to bring your kids along that journey so they learn how to fight because I suspect this isn't going to be the first thing. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I, I think that we need this next generation to know that their voices, like we didn't have to do a lot of it when we were younger. Cause a lot of this was in place except for, you know, um, the trans and the gay marriage, like we fought for that. But, you know, if they start taking things away, we need to be ready to fight and no voice, every voice is an important voice. Um, so just know that you have the power to, to fucking fuck things up and, and make some change. So. Yeah. And I agree. And I think Kansas showed us that people are ready to do that too. Right. Um, because it, it, that's, what's so fucked up. It's like, they're taking bodily autonomy away at the same time. It's like a metaphor for how our country is being run because a few fucking assholes who are in power making a lot of decisions that the majority of us do not want. Yep. And so we got to start showing up in that majority to tell them to fuck off. Yeah. Don't forget to fucking vote too. Yeah. And give, <laughs> give to mutual aids and your local abortion funds. I love Planned Parenthood and they are great, but I bet there are local funds as well that might yes. be a little bit more helpful because um, Planned Parenthood just gets a lot of other money. So just saying like find your local abortion fund, mutual aid projects. Um, don't give money to the goddamn systems. Give it to the people in your community. Yes. All right. Well, thanks, Jana. Oh, thank you, Jana. This was awesome. Yeah. Love you. Love you.